Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is, of course, a part of the ChairShot Radio Network here on thechairshot.com, where we encourage you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And we are here on the OG bandwagon. That's right. It is the three stalwarts of the bandwagon here today. Myself, Patrick O'Dowd, the lawyer, David Ungar, Mr. Saturday Night, PC Tunney. I gotta I, I wanna lead with acknowledging a little under the weather, fellas. Uh, voice is a little uh little little struggling today. So if I go horse, I go horse, it's all Ray Cash's fault. So that's that's we'll, we'll blame it on Ray. But uh, before we before we get into like what we're going to talk about, today, it's an exciting day, by the way, guys. It's an exciting day. Doom Patrol is back. We get to talk about episodes one and two. I watched them right before the recording, just like I know PC Tunney did as well. I would like to say, um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that until we get to the show itself. I wanted to comes the legendary. Tony, Tony's playing with sound again. Um, Accident. I went to right? check the scores on ESPN and they took me to a commercial. <laughs> I will say that is a, it is a real risk. Um, I've, I've been busted more than once checking a score on, say, ESPN or CBS, and they always do that auto load of their video and commercials, and you forget about it. You forget, to, you know. So tip out there, podcasters, if you're in a group podcast setting, don't do what your uncle PC and Patrick do and not mute yourself before you go check scores when you're not paying attention to the host of the show. That's really all it is. Just make sure that you mute yourself. I can that way both. we don't hear the mistake. <laughs> I, I can do both. I can do it all. Um, anyway, I, I meant to watch Saturday Night Live this week. I really wanted to because it was hosted by Steve Martin and uh, yeah, Steve Martin and Martin Short, right? That was this week. Yep. How was the show, Tony? You usually was, watch it. Did you watch it? Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. The Anything I should check out? All of it. All of it. Okay. Wait for I the rerun. For the replay. I'm sure it's on the cock. This is Brandy Carlisle, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Not a big brain for Selena Gomez. Selena Gomez shows up, which is cool because she's in a um that show. That on, show. Yeah. Only murders are in the building with with Martin Short and Steve Martin. So it was good. It was good. Who else showed up? Oh, someone else showed up. Uh, Kieran Culkin. They did a uh, they did a Father of the Bride skit like thirty years later. Ah. Like that. Uh, so that was fun. There was a Mister Science and Doctor Science cut right in the beginning, um, which was really good. And then uh, there were there uh, weekend update was good. But next week will be the Christmas episode. Austin Butler, who recently played Elvis, is the host. We were supposed to get the yeah yeah yeahs. But I do believe one of the band members is recovering from pneumonia. So Lizzo will be your musical guest next week. That is a reasonable replacement in, in terms of entertainment. Yeah. So I, I think we can live with that. Dave, how you doing, man? How you doing? I feel like I just recorded a podcast. With you. I'm just happy to be here with the tripod of nerd nerddom. I'm yes. I'm the middle leg, of course, but you know that that's just me. So yeah. The shortest leg. The shortest yeah. leg. The shortest straw. Exactly. I, I got the I got the bad draw on this whole thing. Doing pretty good. Glad to be back with you guys after missing last week. So, and like you, thrilled that Doom Patrol is back. I, I was. I, I not. I was. I am. I am thrilled that Doom Patrol back. We are, of course, going to talk about episodes one and two. They dropped against my better judgment. It's just I recognize they're both dropped. I'd rather it's not be an episode behind, especially with the holidays coming up, where we're going to be an episode or two behind but that's neither here nor there quick visit to the trailer park uh patrick got a little crazy with the trailer park this week sorry it happened again i did it uh and then we are going to spend a good bit of time talking dc today as a lot a couple big nuggets of news dropped this week in regards to projects with the dc cinematic world and we're also going to talk about executives because Dave, as you know, I love talking about people when they're out of touch. And let's just say executives in the film industry, still a little out of touch. All of that is today's episode. And we are going to start it with Doom Patrol. And love that Doom Patrol's back. Because it also means we get to hear what I think is one of the coolest eerie theme songs ever. And that is the Doom Patrol theme song. So we're going to hit it and then get to it. myself on the back real quick so kids while we were chatting about the return of doom patrol and how we wanted to tackle it dc tunny in our in our discussion group or our twitter dm thread whatever you want to call it he'd ask the question um what do you think this season of doom patrol what 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 should we expect in this season of doom patrol and, and dave 
responded something along the lines of it'll be better than lock and key and i just responded there will be butt stuff and lo and behold doom patrol returns with butt stuff yes 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 we had ended the previous season with a big old shoot 'em up battle uh between the doom patrols uh between doom patrol and zombie butts running all over the place we had seen uh, somebody escape. I can't remember the guy's name because, you know, drink. Derek Jones. Uh, Derek Jones, uh, who had been bitten by an infected um, character, run off uh, and become a zombie. And, and the Doom Patrol kind of had decided it was going to be the superhero team. We we come back in episode one with a little bit of some time jumps. We, we're in the future and you see a... a kind of an interesting cyborg running around with like makeshifts gear in this like weird post-apocalypse. Like he's not cy he's not the cyborg we've grown to know and love. Like he's now just wearing gear that makes him look like cyborg, but it's very Mad Max. You don't quite know what's going on before it jumps backwards to show us our good friends, uh, making their way as a team under the leadership of Rita Farr. They, they are successful despite not really being happy with Rita's leadership. Like, they kind of begrudgingly do it. And we get the introduction of one of the great villains of our time, Codpiece. I mean, can I can I jump in just for a minute? I, I, nothing, for nothing screams Doom Patrol more than Codpiece, really. I, I mean, in, in an episode dominated by zombie butts, then you've got a villain who's villainous for using an apparatus to shoot lasers out of his dick. And well, nothing says Doom Patrol quite like that. It's sex, it's sex Machine all over again from the movie From Dust Till Dawn. It's not, it's not one-eyed one monster, but it's close. Definitely not. Um, so, so, yeah, they're kind of making their way, but they we <laughs> also get either. this development. Right, so Silas Stone... Along with his son, after this battle is over, after taste my Cyborg, bad batter, yes. Um, they we also learned that Crazy Jane is not in control at the beginning of this, she is still, uh, Jane is still under the control of Dr. Harrison. That is a short lived development, but it does lead to some analysis of all the characters. Um, that was fun. I really it was. That. It was an it was Wasn't an interesting it? little twist. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, you know, I forgot we didn't talk about Stewart when talking about uh, codpiece. Starting, I mean, speaking of butt stuff, like oh, yeah. Stewart, oh, yeah, yeah. he has a cannon out his ass. Uh, yeah. That was traumatic. My that the little O'Dowd may have walked through the room when that reveal happened, and he was like, "Okay, I'm out." Like he was done. Uh, but anyway. Silas Stone and Cyborg, they have been working together. They fix Cliff's missing arm and have developed nanotechnology that allows Cliff to feel. And it's a very exciting little moment in the show. Cliff makes a decision. And that decision is that the first thing he actually wants to feel is his grandbaby. Uh, and so he puts on an oven mitt where it gets pointed out immediately that uh, he's now already felt something other than his grandbaby first. Can we just say that this oven mitt eventually over time turns into Mr. Sacco? <laughs> it really does, right? He like draws eyes on it. For those of you who 
don't watch wrestling, um, which whoever you are, um, I don't know who you are because you're listening to chairshot.com, but Mr. Sacco was the sock puppet of one Mick Foley back in the Attitude Era of the WWE. But so Cliff has made this decision. Uh, he wants to go see his grandbaby, maybe in touch with his grandbaby. So they're going to go travel through time uh, to go have the first thing that he actually touches and feels that he claims, quote unquote, counts will be his grandbaby. They inadvertently flash forward in time 20 years where they then catch up to this apocalyptic wasteland where we learn that zombie butts have taken over the world. Dave, zombie butts have taken over the world. I've, I've talked too much about this episode. I, I'm, I'm handing it over to you to react to zombie butts taking over the world. I mean, again, nothing screams doom patrol like zombie butts taking over the world. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's really all. I mean, how, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's fantastic. It's like, it's like the walking dead with butts and, you know, killer butts were bad enough, but now zombified killer butts on top of that. I mean, guys, it's a crisis of infinite ass. That's really what it is. You just were waiting to, to throw that quotation out there. You were looking for an opportunity. Um, so, okay. I'll, ass, I'll credit the, where credit the is. Apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. All of that fun stuff here. Here's what, um, Here's what's kind of interesting about this episode. So they they recognize this. They they go forward in time. They run into the cyborg uh, of the future, who tells them that all their dead versions of themselves are are in the mansion, with the exception of um, Madame Rouge. He tells her something like she went missing just before the apocalypse started, which leads to Madame Rouge realizing that it's all a trap set up by the dead Doom Patrol and Cyborg for him to go back and try to prevent this apocalypse. Now, it fails uh, because she manages to free and stop the other, uh, the ghosts from stalling them too long to be able to, uh, to allow future Cyclops or future, um, future Cyborg, not Cyclops, to go back and do it. Uh, and, and then leads them to having to go back in time, you know, them going back to back in time with the new mission of stopping this zombie apocalypse from spreading. As they're back in time getting ready to move forward with this, um, we get another revelation. We get another sort of cutaway at the end of the episode in which we get a revisit from Willoughby Kipling, who, first of all, the weirdest Knight Templar you'll ever see. As these guys show up surrounding a table where an otherworldly gerbil, hamster, rabbit thing talks about a picture that they have from the, from, I believe it's the past, indicating a relatively significant Doom Patrol villain will be coming soon. One Immortus. Now, I wish Ray were here for this episode because I am not a resident DC expert. Dave, you are the resident DC knowledgeable guy. What can you tell us about General Amortis? That he's appearing in season Anything? four of the Doom Patrol. Uh, that, <laughs> I could tell you that much. Uh, he's, um, I think I'm looking at Nathaniel up, Richards. Yes, I'm looking at him. I'm looking up. I, I mean, isn't there an Amortis in Marvel as well? Pat, you're the you're the Marvel expert. I think there's an Amortis in Marvel as well. But 
This guy's known as the forever. This is a DC show. Why? What you, like, forever soldier. For, yeah, it's a crossover. Forever general. Uh, I I'm trying to see how he's involved with the Doom Patrol, but I, I yeah, he comes in contact with. He the made Doom his Patrol. debut. He, he's got it. Thought he made his like one of his first or second episode or issues was from Doom Patrol. Yeah, he comes into contact with Doom Patrol. He's got unnatural long life, so he's kind of along a Vandal Savage sort of line of uh of power set perhaps he, oh he's got a life extending alchemical potion um lost the potion unable to reproduce it got out of it oh here you go immortus hires a young scientist named ready for it niles calder um to recreate there the we potion. go and there's the connection calder read when calder discovered immortus's identity and plan he sabotaged the life extending ray that he had been developing calder as the chief then later forms a Doom Patrol specifically to combat one of Immortus's later schemes. So I, you know, going on that, I don't know if this is a way to somehow bring Niles Calder back from wherever he is, um, the dead. But it, it certainly seems like there is a, a connection between this character and Doom Patrol, at least in the comics. Now, how they portray it here, I don't know. But yeah, that... um. <laughs> I, I I do like the Knights Templar when you've got a guinea pig who's basically telepathically telling everybody how it's going to be. Uh, that you you really you can't beat that, can you? Maybe. No, no, you really can't. Um, I guess it would be we'd be remiss if we didn't also talk about. Uh, sorry, Negative Man, Larry Trainer, and. Uh, his encounter in the future because all of the other, like there's this great moment when they're in the future where you get the revelation of future doom patrols scene or a scheme where they're all talking and they're, they're all ghosts. And the, uh, the Dr. Harrison version of crazy Jane is talking about, we don't, maybe we don't need you to go back in the future. Maybe our future selves can talk the doom patrol into correcting their ways. And, and we don't need to do it this way. They all have a good laugh about how they couldn't keep a straight face about that. Uh, and then they all go along with this idea of the scheme, including Larry trainer. However, when Larry trainer from the past meets Larry trainer, the ghost negative, the, the negative man entity isn't present and would later then, show up and have an inter interaction with the the past or the present however you want to describe it larry trainer that changes that relationship in a bad way and that segues into episode two where that little guy is refusing to join with larry and larry's trying to do anything and everything he can to figure out what's wrong and he doesn't know what future negative entity did to mess him up tony that's uh, that that's it that's the tweet tony's been too quiet time to get him talking uh, yeah, sorry i have something that i didn't want to have to deal with but it's over and done with now so kind of refresh me with what i'm commenting on here again episode two doom patrol season four larry and keeg who are no longer uh, simpatico apparently well yeah Okay, um, I mean, I'm more worried about that. There's two butts still left, right? At least one butt that we know. Well, of. the frozen one. They never see. You never see Cliff kill it. No, you never see Cliff kill that frozen butt. And, and we know that there's a cereal yeah. singing. 
Oh, Nathaniel. Yes. Right. Nathaniel. You know what else I found really interesting? Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this too. Isabel Feathers makes a return to the show on a milk carton as still missing. Um, that's not an accident. We will be getting a return of Isabel Feathers to the show at some point. You got to believe that, right? Like that's got to be. She's also, lost in the time stream, right? That runs into the right. part of the. Of... No, 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 no. That you, runs you're into thinking the... of the doctor. That her name is. They hit, I got to look it up. Who they hit when they were traveling to Florida? I thought it was Isabel Feathers. No, Isabel Feathers is somebody who appeared earlier on the show. Um, Why does the jellyfish help them keep their memory? We don't know yet. Yeah, that's <laughs> that jellyfish on your head. It helps you uh, retain memory. With a piece of yarn, yarn yeah. tied to your. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still trying to find it because she's not listed. No, here I, honestly, and... uh, you you keep looking, but I'll I'll comment. I haven't said a lot about it, yeah. but I mean, overall, I think it was a great start and a great continuation into episode two of the story that they're going to try and tell this season. And it's been a long time since we've seen doom patrol. So I think people are just excited to get back into it with the characters. Like I said before, when Jane was the shrink, I, I, I love the, the analysis given on each of the, of the members of the doom patrol. It was interesting to see the transition from Rita to Rouge as, as team leader and how people interact and, and, and react to that. Um, and then like, like we talked about, you know, the, the, the two butts remaining, see what now, happens. Now, forward. Nathaniel's not zombified, is he? And Immortus, and Immortus, and Immortus. Yeah, Immortus is coming, but I didn't get the impression that Nathaniel was zombified. No, he wasn't. Okay. No. So yeah, it's the, uh, I forget the gal's name was, but she's able to teach the, uh, butts to respond to music in a, in kind of like a, uh, <laughs> Rockettes That's a, sort of routine. That is a... So that is a musical number from the Broadway uh, Broadway stage production, The Music Man. I, I as a as a theater kid, I recognized the great Shapoopy as the name because yep. that's the name of the song, Shapoopy. Um, and Tuddy famously done by Family Guy as well. Tuddy mentioned Rita's leadership skills and her gold stars and demerits, and. Her name for Rouge, Dogship McGivens, which is... Uh, yes, Dogship McGivens was hilarious. <laughs> I, Almost I, as good as Satchel McFlippins. Yeah, exactly. All I want to say is after slogging through Lock and Key Season 3 uh, to get Doom Patrol back and have it be this good right off the... And you could immediately see, okay, these guys aren't mailing it in. These characters are still being developed. This story's actually written intelligently, and it's fun, and it's not just the same old, like, why are we here situation i i was really it was like coming home you know after the eight weeks that we've just been through so i don't know how tony feels but or you pat but that's kind of i was like thank god doom patrol is back well i mean I also, like you said you kind of hit it on the head it, it's it's got to be better than lock and key so anything after what we just finished watching was going to be really good but it's nice because this is one we've all really enjoyed it is like the weirder side of DC, which we think is, you know, done been done really well. This we don't talk about it enough that this show is, is one of the shining spots for DC as well in in a time where their movies aren't so high on people's lists. So can't wait to keep going. Uh, I take it back. I, I think you were right, Dave. It re- it was um or maybe it was Tony, who whichever one of you said it was the person on the milk carton. Because they're they're lost in the time stream. That, that's what I thought they yeah. said. I thought they said Isabel you, you right. was lost in the time stream. Yeah. but because um, she witnessed the arrival of Madame Rouge yes. in yes. um 
in, in, in her like appearance in her debut. So that, that was definitely her. I'll tell you. So that, I'm still, I, I wanted to see what you, I mean, to me, the most interesting story going on is Vic and cyborg right now. And, and the fact that he's struggling right. with the fact that he doesn't have tech and he's constantly reminded that you don't have tech. He's, and that's why he's got to get elite. it back by the end of the he's, season. He right? has to, he has to somehow. Somewhere. Dr. Dr. You is the name of the yes. woman who is with, yes. uh, with Nathaniel. the, with Nathaniel, who seems to be adjusting well and eating his mental O's, uh, and singing Eartha, um, not Eartha, um, sorry, Ethel Merman. That's, uh, that's who is, uh, who's singing that song at the very end there. So, yeah, great start. Episode three, he, the, the montage of stuff. Cause I, Dave, did you watch it? I, I mean, it's all, it's all on HBO max. The only way to, did you actually watch the, like this season on doom patrol? Because you there's, it, like, there's the a lot. The post credit thing. Yeah, yeah, where they do that thing where it's like here, here's well, the what second to episode they did it. Yeah, did right. it at the end of right. the second episode. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, right. there is a lot going on there. Like, like you're saying. I mean, you know, you've got Jane and and Vic high as fuck out by the pool talking yep. about how lit they. I was are. like, man, what are? They, I was like, what are they teasing there? Like, oh, man, I hope there's um who's uh what's Niall's daughter's name? Dorothy, right? Dorothy's the daughter. Dorothy shows back up. So she shows uh, back up. So she'll be back. Um, we don't know. Will, about will it be talking? Yeah. Will, will it be talking about Amortis? We don't know if Niles will be back. Maybe this is a, I haven't heard anything about Timothy Dalton coming back. I'm hopeful that he does. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You wonder if, if the, uh, if the, what was the, the dead detective society? I forget what they were. Dead boys society. I forget what they're called. Yeah. Um, you wonder if they'll be back. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there in, in the, in the back half involving all these characters. And, um, you know, and do we think, say, go ahead. Tony. Do we say the little girl, Dorothy, Dorothy yeah, was her name. Dorothy right? was back. Yeah. Um, so she's back. Um, you know, and she, I know she went off with, uh, the dead people <laughs> somewhere in season three. So, so that so that tells me that we're going to see the the dead boy detective agency again. I like so. I, I can't imagine. Wasn't that. there a rumor not, they were going to do a spinoff of that for a while? There was. Oh, yeah. There was a rumor. Maybe we won't um, see it, him then. Who knows? Who knows what James Gunn and Peter Safran are thinking right now? We're going to talk about that later in the show, though. Yeah, that's so a good question. that'll be exciting. Uh, I know. Look at that. It's what it's what they call in the industry, guys. A tease. It's a tease. <laughs> no, not that kind of tease. <laughs> and that why you sound like the Pillsbury Doughboy getting poked in the belly. Like what's going on? Careful, Tony. No, no, you'll, no. You'll be referred Stop. to as dog shit McGivens too. Be careful. No, no, no. no. All I know is that my prediction of butt stuff ultimately came true for this first, these first two episodes of doom patrol. Let's hear it for me. We're going to take a commercial break and then I'm going to make Tony and Dave a little uncomfortable talking about some of these trailers. I got lined up for the trailer park. You are listening to bandwagon nerds. Here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. 
All right, welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. We've just talked some Doom Patrol and butt stuff. Let's keep it weird by heading into the trailer park. Before we do that, though, Dave, I need you to hit that beautiful banjo. Okay, I said we were going to get weird. I'm going to start right out the gate here in the trailer park this week. So, if you know anything about me as a moviegoer, I appreciate David Cronenberg to, to no end. And so when I found out that David Cronenberg had a kid, I figured, and that this kid makes movies, I figured, okay... I'm ready to check it out. By the way, David's son is Brandon. That's his name. Um, here's the concept. And this is the thing is I'm really interested in the concept of this movie. Like the idea of it is great and is actually reflective of things that we've heard stories of happening in other countries. Basically, Alexander Skarsgård, who is a wonderful actor willing to do some weird shit, is a famous author who has gone with his wife, I'm assuming it's his wife, it's at least his par uh, partner, who goes to this vacation on an island, some like island off the coast of wherever, nobody knows, that is very isolated. It's got these idyllic beaches, beautiful hotels. It's like a paradise. And they're meeting up with apparently fans. That's kind of the implication that's given in the trailer, where they're out to dinner, uh, they have this dinner, some sort of conversation come, takes place. On the drive home, Skarsgård has trouble with their car and hits somebody, killing them. When he is brought in by the authorities on this little island, they tell him that every crime that someone is found, anytime somebody is found guilty of a crime, the punishment, no matter what, is death. However, you can get being killed by paying a substantial sum of money and they will create a double of you that you have to witness being executed and then you get to go free and that's the normal part of the movie based on the trailer because shit gets weirder from there this woman from this couple clearly is manipulating him he's there's scenes in this weird society where uh, it's just like societal party where people are wearing these masks with goofed up faces there it's it looks psychological it looks cerebral it looks weird i am here for it tony why will you not watch this movie i oh well yeah i don't <laughs> eh, look i mean didn't didn't we all watch the house of hammer documentary on netflix isn't that the same kind of thing um anyway uh i don't know it looks weird i guess it's not really it's, it's a little too too much for me 
Dave, why will you not watch this movie? Man, this trailer screamed Patrick O'Dowd. And when I was watching it, I was like, this is a Patrick O'Dowd trailer all the way. Um, yeah, it's a little too out there for me. Uh, I mean, it, it, it that's, I mean, the, the stuff with the masks, I got a real like eyes wide shut sort of vibe going with this whole thing. And I'm like, what is actually happening here? I, I'm glad you explained it to me. Cause yeah, it's like any crime is punishable by death. It's like, ah, this is worse than Corto Maltese. That's for sure. But, um, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I can't say it's going to be high on my list. I give them credit for originality and thinking outside the box, but yeah, well, this, and, and this again, had this your is, fingerprints all over it. Absolutely. Cron- I, here's the thing is Cron- Cron- Brandon's dad is, is very, very famous for like body horror, like making you uncomfortable with the human, the human body. This one like has elements of this, but it wasn't like a body horror flick. What it to me looked like was a reflection on some various societal things. And here's the thing. There is, we've heard, I've heard stories, I've read stories about in other countries where people in debt will take a job to serve sentences for rich people for money to resolve their debt. So it's it's also something that's kind of rooted in reality, just done to an extreme. I am really interested in this. And frankly, the only other person who I wish was on the show to talk about this with, because I know that you know who it is. Who is it? Aesop. Say it out loud. Aesop. Aesop. I feel like Aesop would be right there on board with me to talk about this because it's just, I, I feel a kinship when it comes to these sorts of movies with, with one Aesop Mitchell. Unfortunately, he's not here. He's, you know, got a family or something. Can't be bothered to talk nerd shit every Sunday. Whatever. Okay. I'm going to share that I sh- I put the second trailer on here again because I'm an English major and I love um, the American romantic and gothic period of writing in American history. And one of the foremost writers of that period in the 1800s was a man by the name of Edgar Allan Poe. And Netflix is putting out a movie called Pale Blue Eye, which stars Christian Bale as a world-weary detective who has been called to a military base. Of, of, or in a military encampment of some sort where, uh, where they're finding soldiers who have committed either suicide or been murdered. There's something that they've all been found hanging. Uh, and one of the soldiers that is there is a young private by the name of Edgar Allan Poe. It, it looks very, this looks like, a, this looks more like a thriller than a horror film, which is very much something that Edgar Allan Poe is known for. Like people think of Poe, they think of somebody who is who, who wrote horror. I would argue that he wrote thrillers and things with a lot of tension. A lot of what Edgar Allan Poe wrote was cerebral. It was about people losing their minds slowly with paranoia and tension. And that is very much what I see here in this movie, which is a period piece. Christian Bale, you know him, he is an actor, is going to go full on into this role He's going to be great. I it's it's premiering on Netflix. I'm looking forward to this one as well. Again, probably more my thing than it is, you know, the rest of the bandwagons. But I think this looks extraordinarily interesting and could be a lot of fun to watch. Dave, what say you? Yeah, this one's definitely more in my wheelhouse than the first one was because I um <clears throat> big Edgar Allan Poe fan. Telltale Heart. What's that? The Cask of Monteleone, or I think uh, whatever the hell it was called. 
Um, the one where, yeah, that those are two really good stories. Um, this one has the, just the trailer itself has a very uh, Edgar Allan Poe-ish feel to it. So, you know, you get that sort of like, like that kind of like that sleepy hollow sort of cinematography going on. Um, Christian Bale, like you say, anything that he's in, he's going to put everything into that. This looks like it, you know, definitely like a dark thriller for sure. Um, this one, yeah, this one, you know, is like people are trying to, people are getting hung and cutting their hearts out and like seems to be like trying to find a, a recipe for immortality. So that's very interesting as well. So yeah, this one I'd be much more inclined to watch than the other. On a side note, it's not just any military encampment. It's West Point. It like is where this is, in 1830, something? 1830. So before pre-Civil War, or no, yeah. It's pre-Civil War, yeah, 1861. Yeah, pre, right, pre-Civil War, um, this is taking place. Tony, your thoughts on this, what looks like a mystery to me, uh, mystery thriller sort of, it lo- sort of story. It looks, it looks good. It seems like there's some kind of curse or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, something that is causing an effect, which is usually a story um, <laughs> to put it so basically, but it, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't seem as gorifically horror horror ish as opposed to like suspenseful thriller with, you know, some uncomfortableness. Uh, maybe I'll check this out. I think I'll wait and see what you guys think. And you know, if you guys aren't real super high on it, I'll probably pass, but like Christian Bale and he's played a lot of different roles like this. So I think uh concept is very interesting as well, especially if, you know, you check another box there with the, the historical factor. Yeah. Gothic horror, um, Gothic, Gothic thriller is what I would describe this as this cast, by the way, is really, really strong as well. So it's not just Christian, like Christian Bale's in this Jillian Anderson is in this, uh, uh, Toby Jones, who you might remember from the captain America, um, Captain America, Captain America, and the Winter Soldier is he plays. Um, oh God, what's I'm forgetting his name. In oh God, the the television screen uh, scientist. Oh God, oh oh. From Captain Killed America, what? No no no, no 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 not the science guy. The guy Sorry, for Hydra who hangs out with Red yes. Skull. Yeah, um, but Toby Jones, he's a really great character actor. Um, Robert Duvall is in this movie. Uh, Timothy Spall, who is known in the Harry Potter films as Wormtail, and is in a, he's a he's another big character actor in Britain. And interestingly enough, playing Edgar Allan Poe, another Harry Potter film alum, a guy by the name of Harry Melling, um, playing Cadet Edgar Allan Poe. Harry Melling is known for playing Harry um, Harry Potter's older brother Dudley Dursley, the the bully. He's lost a ton of weight. Looks Arnim, Arnim very Zola. much different. Arnim Zola. Zola. Yeah, how was I forgetting that? Arnim Zola, Toby Jones, is uh, is playing uh, playing a significant role in this film. So, banger of a cast, great look, intense feeling little film here. I'm I'm in for this one as well. The last trailer I put on the list. I did is is a little different. It's a video game trailer, and I, you know, Dave did this not too long ago in my absence. He put out a trailer, I, and I, I will say I probably put this one out just for as Jesus much. Christ, what? <laughs> that's what he put out. You don't get it. That's what he put out. Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, 
joke me right over my head. Okay. Um, right past it. Anyway, this one is not a trailer for the Jesus Christ movie. This is Thank a trailer for G- Jesus Christ video game. This is a trailer for the new Justice League. Uh, I know, sorry, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. He's being stalked by Bat. The the uh, the Suicide Squad is being stalked by Batman. Dave, this was revealed at a was it the video like a video games award show? I think this week. Yeah, yeah. This is what it, where it was revealed. Not any gameplay or anything significant, but who is voicing Batman yeah, this for this was, movie? And why did people lose their mind? This is Kevin Conroy's swan song. As far as uh, he voiced mm-hmm. Batman for this video game, it was definitely released as a tribute to Kevin. Um, I this is a video game that I definitely anxiously am awaiting. I know it's been delayed again, which is very disappointing. It is cool that they had this cinematic um, that shows, you know, somehow, some way. Much to Tunney's consternation, the Suicide Squad has gotten the best of the Flash in this whole situation. Um, they, Cut. which like, I'm <laughs> Captain like, Boomerang cuts off his thumb. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how that would happen, but uh, you know, they're being stalked by Batman, and it's interesting. Harley knows Batman's secret identity, calls him by his name, so it's all out there. Um, you know, oh, Batman doesn't kill people, although he does. You, you know, maul the security guard pretty well. And I I love the I love the trailer because yeah you get to hear a little bit of Kevin, but just um it just captures the essence of Batman so perfectly as just the level of fear that he still instills in the Suicide Squad. You're like ah shit we're being stalked by Batman, you know never mind Superman's probably at the door about to come in and laser your ass, but Batman creates a whole different sort of level of fear. So yeah it was a really cool trailer. I can't wait for the game to come out. Um, it's really high on my list of things I'm looking forward to, but, uh, you know, yeah, the tribute to Kevin is, um, yeah, I mean, it was heartwarming. It was moving. It's like, I hope, I hope we get a lot more of that when the game finally does come out. Tony. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. It's, it's interesting. Very he nice. says I am vengeance, you know, cause that's what Robert Pattinson's character says as well. So, right. So real quick, before we go and leave the trailer park, trivia question without cheating, you can't look it up. Did you guys recognize did you guys recognize the voice of King Shark? I didn't really even remember to think about it. Talk, but no, I didn't. He talks in that he talks because I did watch I did watch all of it. Is it Sylvester Stallone again? It is not. It's a professional wrestler. Um currently works for AEW. Oh, is it is it MJF? Nope. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is King Shark. Samoa Joe is, according to IMDb, he is the voice of King Shark. Hmm. In this video game. That's a good match, I think. Yeah, that works. So, there you go, wrestling fans. A little connection to the other other medium that we have here. Patrick, you get a gold star today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Madam Rouge. I don't listen to no Rita Farr. Um, no, I just thought that was kind of cool, kind of neat. And of course, because we're on the chairshot.com and we are sports and we're entertainment and we're sports entertainment, figured it was worth the time to share. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for the trailer park. We're going to take a commercial break. We are zipping right along on this show. 
But I think that these next two topics might take up a little bit of time as we talk about it. So before we head into our recurring commercials, though, it is my duty to remind you that if you love sports, you love entertainment, you love sports entertainment, you love what we do here at TheChairShot.com, and you want to support us, the best way to do that is to head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot and invest in one of the many ChairShot shirt designs that we have. In fact, I myself am a proud owner of multiple chair shot shirts and i'm repping the brand today wearing my bandwagon nerd shirt that you can only get at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot they make great gifts they're only 19.99 but if you're wanting that special someone to feel a little extra special spend a few dollars more get it soft style they'll thank you because their skin will feel oh it's so amazing it's just all nice on their giblets anyway we can't do this without the support of you, the listener. And the best way that you can help us is to put our brand out there. And yes, support us a little bit financially by heading over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and investing in a shirt. When we come back, we're going to do a lot of DC talk because James Gunn and Peter Safran dropped a bombshell. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chair Shot Radio Network, part of the chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right, welcome back everyone. Before we get into all the DC talk, I wanted to talk to you guys about an article I came across. Now, I saw it on Yahoo um, just as an aggregate, but this is actually an article that was published by Brooks Barnes in the New York Times. And basically what it what it talks about is the underperforming of kind of quote unquote highbrow art house films and that these Oscar-oriented movies aren't making money, and this fall could be the last stand for for these types of films, at least in major markets. And, and they and there's some numbers to kind of back this up. So, like Armageddon Time, a movie that none of us, I'm sure, around the bandwagon knew about, cost 30 million to make. It made 1.9 million dollars in North America. Tar, a movie I have heard about, cost 35 million. Right now, it's bringing in 5.3. And the list goes on and on and on. You know, there's just not anything happening here. And what struck me, struck me, sorry, there's the, the voice thing going on. What struck me as funny about this whole thing is to read what executives thinks are happening here. Because I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna go against type. For what I normally do, because I usually chastise you guys for bringing wrestling into too much into the show, but I uh, I listen to uh, Bruce Pritchard's podcast with with Conrad Thompson on a uh, on a rival network. They're not rivals to us. And one of the things that Bruce Pritchard would always joke about is promoters when business was down, they'd blame all kinds of things for why the box office was down. And they always be like, oh, there's a new McDonald's that opened down the corner. And everybody's down at the new 7-Eleven. They're not going to the show. If you read 
some of the excuses that are going on here, it reads like executives are throwing anything they can out there as an excuse to and saying it won't and saying it's not sticking. Uh, people like to call it an escape. But that's not what I, what it actually is. It's entertainment. It can be a serious topic, but when films are too introspective, as many of these Oscar ones are now, audience gets the audience gets forgotten about. Um, people saying that they just don't want to go to the theater to like learn. Uh, you know that. You know Steven Spielberg still thinks that art movies are going to come back. I, I don't know if I buy that. And and so I actually you know I put this topic on here as out of touch execs still out of touch. Am I off base? Are execs wrong, or am I wrong? Dave, Dave's the, the, doing a shake nod. The, clearly, the executives are lost. They they are out of touch. They they don't they still don't understand that the model has changed. And um, you, you know, I, I mean, a lot of people out there like to say, "Oh, the pandemic's over," and you know, based on everybody around me getting sick, I'd like to remind people it's not over till the WHO declares it's over. Um, but still. You know, I do believe that the the model as far as theaters and movies and cinema has changed, and a lot of people haven't adjusted to that. And and like you're saying, these execs thinking, oh, these artsy sort of movies that are kind of, um, you know, that are that are kind of like, you have to look at what is driving people to the theaters, right? And right. these kind of movies are not getting people because especially now with the streaming stuff where they come out in a month later, it's like, oh, you know, I got time to go and watch this. This isn't this isn't required viewing. This isn't going to drive people to the movie. It doesn't mean these movies aren't going to be successful in a different medium. But if you're gauging right. your success on what is its box office return? Yeah, you're out of touch and you don't understand really how the, the demographics have changed, how the dynamics have changed. Here's one of my favorites, by the way, um, because the other thing they talk about, these types of movies usually attract older audiences, people over the age of 35. So one longtime studio executive suggested that older audiences are back, but sophisticated older audiences are not, in part because some of their favorite art house theaters have closed and they don't want to mix with the multiplex max masses. He was serious. That was an author quote. Too many people too likely to encounter a sticky floor. That's what's keeping them out of these movies. They don't. That's bullshit. Because let me tell you something. The masses, if you're an art house film fan and and you're hoity-toity and snotty and don't want to support Cinemark, okay. That's why your art house film, by the way, movie house fails because they haven't kept up with the way the world works in the economy. But so the movie you want to see is playing at a cineplex and you're not going to go because there's too many people that are going to be in the theater. Nobody's going to see the movie that you want to go see art house movie fan. So yeah, you might step in some gum, but Oh my God, nobody's going to be around you because nobody's seeing these movies because they're not movies that, that massive numbers of people go to see like, even back before this explosion of of just sort of the multiplex like big blockbuster, like how many people went and saw any of the best picture nominees that roll around out there when things were more limited? I can tell you one art house film I went and saw at an art house when it came out. 
because it spoke to me as a as a person and and something I love. And that was the wrestler. Like I went and saw the wrestler yeah, yeah. Sure. because it wasn't sure. playing. It it didn't play right away at a massive movie theater. It played at an art house theater that was close to where I live. So I went and saw the wrestler. Right. I, right. You know, the type of movies that are that are going to drive people. Yeah, I, I get I can't think of anything. I'm trying to think, Tony. Can you think of anything like artsy, sort of like that? You said, "Oh, this is going to compel me to go to." I mean, yeah. I mean, I I only go to the movies now, not for everything. There are certain things that will drive me there, and none of these movies. Tony's like, "What's that mean?" 3D. 3D. That's okay. But none of these movies they're talking about are being shown in 3D. You know. <laughs> I no. I think my whole opinion on this, interestingly enough, is like. Maybe it's good that bigger kind of uh, content creating networks are are done with these kind of movies because they don't belong there anyway, right? Like it isn't it better if you don't have the, you know Big Brother looking over your shoulder when you're making this kind of movie? And don't we have a lot of those restrictions when the money gets that high and you're being produced by a certain conglomerate? I, I mean, I don't know. It, I don't really care to be honest with you. Like these people want to be idiots. That's fine with them. But you know, it's, 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 it's just, it seems like a a better fit to have it not controlled by a bigger studio anyway. And by bigger, I don't mean the biggest, I mean, the ones in the middle as well can be overbearing on, on kind of arts ideas. Here's the interesting little secret is that a lot of these films outside or a lot of these studios outside of a 24, a lot of these studios that are kind of quote unquote art house studios are subsidiaries of a major studio. Well, that's like that's it's part of Universal. It's owned by Paramount. It's owned by Miramax or whoever. And what I we always talk about like stories that people want to go see. Coda, which won Best Picture last year, one. Do either of you know? Remember what Coda is about? Is it like a dog? Nope. There is no dog involved in Coda. I, I don't remember what it's about. I remember it was an Apple TV streaming series exclusively or streaming an adoption? movie exclusively. Wasn't it an adoption thing? Nope. It is about, oh, it is about Coda a stands for something. Wait, it stands for something. I can't remember. Right. Ah, shit. It's a Led Zeppelin album. I remember that. No, it is about a child of a deaf, um, adult or parent or something like that. But basically yes. it is about, yeah, it's child of deaf of adults. And it's about a young girl who is the only hearing person in her deaf family. Child of deaf adults. That's right. I knew it's right. And their family, their family fishing business is in trouble. And, but this daughter, she's torn between going to college to pursue a career in music and abandoning her parents who rely on her heavily because she can hear like that sounds like a, a, a wonderful drama. Does it sound like a, a film that a lot of people are going out of their way to go and see? No. If they can the, see it at home. The very reason this show exists is why, for the most part, I'll be honest with you. And you can talk about pandemic all you want, but that has nothing to do with the way people select their movie going uh, genre. No, it's not. Uh, the, the, the old, unbelievable rise of the comic book realm like you throw DC in with Marvel, right? It, it's just like right. dominating. And if it's not at that level of, of being able to control the short attention span, that is the consumer of America, then here it's not really doing much and, and not even close to what it used to do, which wasn't much before either. 
Right. And there was an interesting period in the early 2000s where some mainstream films that played in major cinemas won Best Picture. Well, I mean, and look at the, what the options like, are for some of these bigger actors that want to do their own kind of right. movies like this. They're doing them on Netflix. They're doing them on streaming where it's not going to get seen oh, by as many people or seen as it was important. Right. But they're going well, yeah, the to get to do what they want yeah, more the because they're happy that Tom Hanks did a Netflix film. But it's not going to fucking mean shit. So, you only get so many views there. You bring up a good point. As I was trying to agree with you. And, and I, I couldn't you know, stop. Point out, I apologize. I point out that this this is a this is a this is a theater this is a theater conversation, and that's the other thing is like the art house movie theater is you know we talked about victims of streaming, the art house movie theater is the victim of streaming. Like Dave, you just you just hit it when you talked about where Coda played played on Apple TV. What happens, and this is and this is this is the thing is in, is uh, Moonlight's another example Moonlight was Netflix, I do believe, uh, with uh, Mahershala Ali. And it was completely, like, it was famous because nobody expected it to win. And, like, the person opens it up and, like, they're stunned when they read it out loud. But what what has happened is to meet the requirements for the Oscars and the Academy, they play the movie, like, one or two days within the, uh, the permitted time period, within X number of theaters, so that it qualifies to be nominated for an award. And then they hope for mass viewing. That is not a financially successful model to follow. So that's the other part of it is if you really wanted to save art house films, um, directors, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, who, by the way, had an Oscar nominated film that he put out exclusively on X uh, on Netflix. So quit your bitching as you did it too. Uh, you have to exert whatever influence you have to to stand up for those theaters and stay and don't put them in the the, the cineplex if you want to think if you want to save the art house movie theater then don't sign a deal with netflix to put your art house movie on netflix like just don't do talking, that because you're not gonna make the money are we talking about the wrong part of the problem are we trying to fix the wrong thing because we've talked about before how out of touch the oscars are and, and what qualifies to get made up there and does someone like a group of people like spielberg and scorsese need to pull together and create and and, and actually just be like you know what I, I don't care how egotistical this is we're qualified and we know we're creating a new award system and we're going to divide these divisions up right if you're in a movie and you want to do a movie it's in fine it's in that category well not then here's the streaming one then here's well, this all right stop stop stop, stop, stop. i'm gonna cut you off for a second because it's not about the awards it's about people going to see the movie so they're they're not complaining that they're not winning awards they're complaining because basically they think the audience like the, the way that i read what the executive is saying these movies aren't making money we don't understand why and their oh, argument what? is the audience is too stupid to like these movies to no, want to go and see them but so, what happens is it allows the, the the it allows the consumer of not only the 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 content but of the award that that everybody likes that everybody listens to like ooh it's Oscar right everybody if that you hear that you may not go out and watch it but you know that somebody thought that was good it allows them a broader scope at which to pick from and they know where to go to get it. I think this is the point where I point out. Um, the reason the Oscars expanded their field and changed the way that they do nominations is because, right now. because people don't watch the Oscars anymore 
because it is a boring show. That's why I'm saying it's, if you it's add not more a tough of those, show. that divisiveness, people are going to show up now because the biggest thing is going to be the streaming winner, not the movie winner. Well, but they're, I mean, we're doing the streamies. They're not doing the streamies. So I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. Hopefully. Wow. You heard it here on air, folks. We're doing the streamies. Yes. Apparently, apparently it's going to be a special two-parter for Christmas, you know, the day after Christmas and the day after New Year's, just for you on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. We could always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Dave, last thought on this before we start talking about James Gunn and Peter Saffer. It just... Yeah, I mean it's it's really everything that we've talked about. It, it's it's a it's the whole metric of success in this area is just irretrievably broken, and I don't think the execs realize that. And you know how you're measuring success if you're measuring success solely by box office return. Yeah, no one's going to go to the theaters to see these movies. It's just there. There's just you know we talked about Avatar: Way of Water. It's probably split as to whether you know we're going to go see that or not. Um, and that's as big name as, as you can get, but it's just like, yeah, no one is going to go to see these type of movies in, in the box office. So you've got to think outside the box and say, how are we going to measure success? And if you got a bunch of executives saying, yeah, these highbrow movies are, are too intelligent for the audience out there. Well, you've alienated your audience even further. So, um, yeah, that's not, it's not smart business strategy. It's, it's not, it's just not in line or in touch with, the world that we live in right now in 2022 as to what is driving people to movies, what interests people like Tony says, the comic book genre, the fantasy genre that's dominating things right now because reality is bad enough. Why do I want to go to an art house or a movie theater to watch a different form of reality? That's just not an escape. And I think they don't, they don't get that. And it's, it's been the problem since, you know, ever since Lord of the ring return of the King won the, uh, won the Academy award. They've been trying to come up with an excuse as to why that happened. And it's like, because people are interested in that and you guys don't get it. But that's my thought on it. I, I mean, they, they're just, they're, they're going about it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that if it, it, at the end of the day, it's that, that idea of art and what is art. Like I have, I have a friend who's a film critic and what he looks for in films is just completely different than what we look for. And unfortunately, like what, you know, like like in what people kind of consider like big time award worthy performances aren't things that make money. They don't. And I, I also think that it's funny because I, I argue a lot of times for a lot of the things that we're passionate about in terms of the genre that we love and that we support. That that that's art and, and that it's quality art and, and it's stunning to me that it doesn't get taken seriously because it seems like only things that are completely grounded in the real world should be considered art and, and i don't get that they think like it, i just don't get that. they think it's kid stuff They've been saying that for right. a decade. It's, it's kid it's, stuff. Yeah, it's, it's it's like when Bill Maher goes crazy and goes off on comic books every now and again. Like, and, and thinks that um, graphic novels can't be considered real literature because, one, he refuses to read them. So even though it's, you know, that there's stuff out there with real subject matter, he criticizes something that he refuses to read and acknowledge. 
it's the same thing with comic book films. Like Scorsese rips on comic book movies, and I'm picking on Scorsese a lot because he's one of the most vocal. But his his argument is that you can't you you can't talk about the human condition when making a comic book or a science fiction film and, and if you do make a science fiction film it's very rare it has to be like the shape of water which still haven't watched sure it was great but anyway i don't want us to we're belaboring uh, the, the this only thing at this i want to say like, the only thing i want to say in retort to that is think about the most emotional moments that we've experienced in movies last few years the death of tony stark the beginning of wakanda forever those kind of moments well, are so powerful and they're in comic book movies, and they they don't. Zack Snyder's that. Justice League. Okay, that um, was a, that was a different emotional response. <laughs> uh, that was that was vomiting and rage. I I don't want to belabor what we feel when we see these things. Their argument is, I think, a a a weak argument at best, and one that comes from a steadfast refusal to engage in the material. And I think that's enough uh, to to go from there. Let's shift gears. Let's talk DC. So this was a busy week for James Gunn and Peter Safran, and I'm going to try and make sure that we are intentional when we talk about the DC cinematic futures, that we do not forget that Peter Safran is a part of this duo. They are two heads of a snake when it comes to this. And already, and we knew this was going to happen, right? That James Gunn, when it got announced, it's like if you were to put their names on a marquee, James Gunn is like in all caps bolded and in 27 font. And Peter Safran is five point font, unbolded, kind of hidden away. They're both a part of this and they're making decisions that are happening right now. They're doing this together. And two big ones got revealed today in sort of the wiping of this or this week in the wiping of the slate as we start to re-envision what's going to happen next for DC films. The first was that Wonder Woman 3, Patty Jenkins' final Wonder Woman film with Gal Gadot, done. Dead, not being, not moving forward. That is over. It's led to a lot of speculation that probably means the end of Jason Momoa as Aquaman. However, there's already rumor that they're eyeballing him to perhaps take on a role as Lobo. Uh, Henry Cavill, probably done as Superman, appearance in Black Adam notwithstanding. Everything you saw in Black Adam and got excited for as a possible future franchise probably shouldn't get your hopes up, kids. Because we're cleaning house. Cleaning house. I think we're going to get the slate of movies that are done, and, and then it's starting over. And the first big news bit was this Wonder Woman 3 news. Tony, you kind of scowled and shook your head. Why are you scowling and shaking your head? You disagree? I, I don't. I think it's a... Uh, why throw away the rock? Because he's failing. It failed. I mean, Black Adam did it, failed. Did it? Yes. It absolutely failed. That he is desperately out there spinning his narrative hard hard when it is projected and it's already a hundred million dollars under what it was supposed to make it may not have taken a loss it was not the rousing success that they thought it was going to be or wanted it to be and Dwayne, he's trying really hard to make it sound more successful than it really was 
Like, he really is. Uh, you know, right after it gets reported that the movie isn't doing as well as it was hoped, he comes out and says something along the lines of, oh, it was really exciting to tell our investors that we made, I don't even remember what it was, but it was not the big money that that they were hoping. It just wasn't. Straight up. They're going to throw away the rock. I guarantee you. I'm telling you. And that's, that's too bad the because they should be looking at that as from where they were coming from at that point as well and where they are and what they need to do. I'm not saying it needs to be centrally located in your plan of attack, but that needs to be something that's there. And the fact that it doesn't really look like they're going to have a story built around the Batman. They want to, I don't know. Do they want to run with Robert Pattinson too? There's so many questions. I can't, I just don't hardcore believe in any of it until I see it as far as what these guys are doing. We talked about the tease and the pictures that Gunn puts up when he's talking about doing things. Who knows if that's going to happen? Why would you cut we a don't. Wonder Woman? Why would you cut a Wonder Woman movie when you're you're going to still go through with the Flash? Like that doesn't make any sense. The Flash is done and made. It's done. It's been made. But the, mo- they but have the movie's it. coming out, right? Right. They they've decided that they're going to go forward with it for whatever reason. And I'll tell you why they're they're completely divesting themselves from anything connected which, to the Snyderverse, which means and Henry Cavill, which they, tells they, me they have a much bigger role for Snyderverse. Wonder Woman than the Flash moving forward. Yeah, and it's not going to be the Patty Jenkins. Yeah, and they're not moving forward with Gal Gadot, uh, and they're allegedly not moving forward with Jason Momoa. So, well, then uh, what they need to do then is they need to tell us when they're done shoveling out the shit that they're going to put on screen and not put on screen. And then when it actually starts on screen, that's what they're doing. They're telling you right now what they're not putting on screen. Well, one of those is wonder woman three. Dave jump in buddy. I, I would not get married to the idea that the flash movie comes out. I, I really don't know if, 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 if gun and Saffron are legitimately going in this direction. I mean, you know, you got, Black Adam coming out, Henry Cavill at the end. He's coming back as Superman, and they're like, oh, pump the brakes on that no, a little bit. Like, why did we do it then? Exactly. Why did we do it then? And and I, Because and before they took over, Dwayne Johnson made it happen. Well, yeah. Remember, right. Right. these I mean, guys like weren't announced before. when this movie got made. All I'll they say. Got, but they weren't in power. They no, weren't there. All I'll say I is. I, I don't they weren't mind, even there. I don't mind them canceling Wonder Woman three because something's going on with Patty Jenkins right now. And I think, you know, you look at right. she was Rogue Squadron, that got scrapped. And that has nothing to do with James Gunn and Peter Saffron. That's a Disney decision. So there's something going on with Patty Jenkins and, and they did kind of leak the details of the plot for Wonder Woman three, and we were like, What the hell is this? So if that's where they're going, I'm cool with it. But yeah, I, I, it's it's tough because you got Gunn and Saffron coming in here saying we want to hit the reset button on everything, but at what point do you say, look, let's stop the bleeding and get rid of all this stuff? You know, we talked about ad nauseum. Why is this Blue Beetle movie coming out? Um, things like that. So, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not that surprised that that Gunn and Saffron got together and said, you know, this really doesn't jive with the vision that we want to portray. For DC going forward, we want to portray, you know, we want to kind of mimic what Marvel's done. None of these guys, every, and if they bring in Cavill or Gal or Jason Momoa or Ezra Miller, it's just going to have that shadow of the Snyderverse hanging over it. And then you're going to get all those, all, all of those fans saying, yes, 
We want to let Zach, I mean, I still hear it. Let Zach finish his vision. No, Zach doesn't need to, his vision doesn't matter if you're going to hit the reset button. So why are we going to let Zach? It was finished for the most part. I, I think mean, so. what he wanted. I think what so. What he wanted, it, it, you got it in it parts was, on HBO. And it was much it, better it was, than what they gave you. Yeah, it was finished when he made a shitty movie or three. That's when it was finished. Well, but anyway, my, my I, feelings notwithstanding. I just, yeah, I don't. I think that this is this is the shoe dropping is what's happening here. And here, I, you know, James Gunn, after this report about about Wonder Woman three getting dropped, he, he jumped to Twitter uh, and released a lengthy statement. So and I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. So as for the story yesterday in The Hollywood Reporter, some of it is true. Some of it is half true. Some of it is not true. So. Who knows? We could all be wrong. And some of it, we haven't decided yet whether it's true or not. That is the most non-answer answer to a question ever. Although this first month at DC has been fruitful, building the next 10 years of story takes time and we're still just beginning. Let me finish. Let me finish. There's more statement. Peter and I chose to helm DC Studios knowing we were coming into a fractious environment both in stories being told and in the audience itself. And there would be an unavoidable transitional period as we moved into telling a cohesive story across film, TV, animation, and gaming. But in the end, the drawbacks of that transitional period were dwarfed by the creative possibilities and the opportunity to build upon what has worked in DC so far and to help rectify what has not. We know we are not going to make every single person happy every step of the way, but we can promise everything we do is done in the service of the story and in the service of the DC characters we know you cherish and we have cherished our whole lives. As for Uh, more answers about the future of the DCU, I will sadly ask you to wait. We are giving these characters and the stories the time and attention they deserve and we ourselves still, still have a lot more questions to ask and answer. I thought we were done with talking out of our asses at the beginning of the show. Uh, did James, you're saying James Gunn is talking out of his ass? I don't know. That's all so unnecessary. That's such a troll. That's just like, he's just like, yeah, you motherfuckers, relax. Here's what I hear. Listen, here's what came to my mind. Here's here's what the, here's why he and and what the people in charge don't know what they're doing yet. I firmly now believe that they are working on casting the major characters moving forward. And they want to know, can they do better than what they got right now? And they're in negotiations with very quietly. I think we'll look back and say that they were trying to see whether or not, right? Like if you're going to, you're going to move, like, let's just talk about, you brought up Momoa. If you're going to move them from one to the other, who plays the other? Cause eventually someone's got to do that. Or does it make more sense? Because, you have so-and-so coming in playing this part. That's why maybe the Henry Cavill thing and, and the Rock thing is right. Maybe it isn't. Things of that nature. I firmly believe that they came in with their own people in mind and who would play. They've done so much already in Hollywood and are so connected to so many people. And they're like, this is person's good for that. This person's good for that. Maybe they're trying to put together their own Robert Downey Jr., you know, et cetera, down the line. So that that's kind of where I went with when you're while you were reading that statement until like the last quarter. Then I was like, oh, my God, are you done talking yet? Not you, Patrick, but the statement. 
if I may. Um, you may. I think this is a critical moment for DC right now because you've got Gunn coming out with a statement that's basically saying, you know, we're, we're sorting a lot of stuff out. You know, if if who's David Zaslav? Is that the guy who's in charge of uh, WB Discovery? Um, oh. I, I think it's really critical right now for him to kind of be behind these guys and take a hands-off approach and say, I put them in charge, whatever they say I'm fine with. Um, let them let them do what they're going to do because I, I do agree with Tony that I think Gunn and Saffron have in mind people that they want to cast for these big roles and they're not quite sure if what they have now fits in with that role. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to be completely excluded from any sort of appearance. You could have a no way homish sort of thing where they bring in these characters a little bit of a time and cross franchises up and, and timelines up. You, you could see that. But I, I do think that, you know, right now these guys, he's talking about a 10 year plan. So they've got a 10 year vision as to where they want to go. They've got some big story arc. I don't think that the kingdom come image is just a, a troll. I think there's more to it. It's the second it. time he's posted Kingdom Come imagery. Yeah, now. I, like I, I this statement and a previous. One. I don't think it's a troll. I think he's got <laughs> he's got an idea. It is it's it's a tremendous story to use, but it would take and it would take time to build to that. So if he's really going in that direction, then yeah, a lot of this stuff that exists now doesn't exactly fit in right now. And maybe we're too far gone with the Flash to just gut it and say yeah, get rid of it. But uh, I, I, you know, I mean, they did it to Batgirl. Well, that's Batgirl. I don't, I don't know. We talked about this. That's Batgirl, and we that's, did. That's not. That's not like your. You know, one of your top. And five. I, I just. Oh, think, I. I one hundred percent agree. And I'm I just, just saying. Think, it, yeah, and I think Wonder not, Woman. To, you notice I didn't point, say. Honey, and I didn't say top even four, right? I said top right. five. I'll even give you a Green Lantern over, you know, Flash if you right. want to do but, it because there's but, more but, possibilities. But to there. your. But to your point, Tony, like. Part of, like it does feel like like it's not like they can't do it like they've done it already with a film so how how is the slate getting wiped clean I'm sorry Dave I cut you off go ahead no, keep no, I, it, but that's you know that's the key issue is is we're trying to wipe the slate clean but how do we wipe the slate clean with all this stuff out there and I think you know Marvel kind of uh you know they they kind of like didn't mention the other stuff until they mentioned it you know the other the previous Spider-Man trilogy. The Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. They were out there. Everybody knew about it. We weren't mentioning it until it became convenient to mention it and say, hey, let's bring this stuff in in No Way Home and it'll be a cool moment. Um, you know, you see stuff like that. They brought in some of those aspects of the X-Men in in Multiverse of Madness with Patrick Stewart. So maybe this whole Snyderverse is going to be out there and Gunn and Saffron are going to wait for the right moment to bring that into some sort of element that they want to tell. But yeah, I, I don't, you know, the whole notion of canceling Wonder Woman 3, um, it's... And if, and if the Rupert story, if the Rupert right, plot for right. that movie is really what they were going to yeah, do, was, like, yikes. I'm like, I'm like, yes, get rid of Steve it. Steve Trevor and the Lazarus Project. Yes, we're going to bring the Lazarus pits in, but we haven't introduced Ra's al Ghul at all. So we're just going right. to use this thing that gives him more immortality. But that's like I said in the chat, it's like it was a dumb idea to kill off Steve the way that they did. The one flaw with Wonder Woman. Um, you, you know, is that, and, and now it's like you spent all of 1984, Wonder Woman 84, coming up with a plausible way that Steve Trevor was there, but he really wasn't. So now we got to find out another right. way to bring him back for real. <laughs> and we're going to do it through this Batman mechanism, even though Batman's and, not in the movie. Yes. sure. And here's the other thing. Let's not pretend like Wonder Woman 1984 was a great follow up it to wasn't. Wonder Woman. 
It was it was a disappointment. Now whether it was terrible or not, that's you know kind of up to you to decide, noble listener or viewer. Uh, but it was not nearly as strong in of, your a, words, of an outing. It was fine. Yes, I, and actually, I would describe it as fine. You know, as as Tony would say, it was too long. It was actually it was too long. It's too much movie. Um, the other thing that we learned this week out of all this purging, though, is that. The other film that got iced was this Michael Keaton Batman project that was going to be an offshoot of the Flash movie, which then, of course, as we've talked about, does put in question the status of the Flash movie. Uh, But there was a Michael Keaton Batman project that was dropped. It was allegedly going to be a Batman Beyond film. Now, there are a ton of fans out there of the Batman Beyond franchise, the animated series of old man Batman in the future, old man Bruce Wayne taking a young uh, young man under his wing and making him the new Batman. Uh, fans are, of course, having some issues with this news. And I think it's just issues with what could have been, because it, it never was a what. It never was what was. It was what could be. And what could be is not happening. So... Why were fans mad anyway? Batman is also another, almost an iteration of his kind of mentor, living Butler on a different tech level side with different, you know, insecure tendencies. But like, you've seen the story of Alfred and how badass he was. You can't tell me that like Superman isn't already, or Batman, I'm sorry, isn't already like part of somebody else. Why can't the tradition be passed along? Is that what everybody's all pissed off about? Like, I don't understand why. Why can't we no, have enough? They're mad. They're, they're, they're pissed. Yeah, they're pissed that they're not going to get the movie. Like, people loved that show. Oh. Like, that show was a very popular yeah. animated oh. series. Um, and people, I think, just... It's one of those, like, they loved the idea of it. Uh, and we're like, oh, this is going to be on the big screen, screen, but now we're not. And I don't know. Dave, your reaction. Because I'm not as close to this. What was one of the first things Gunn and Saffron said when they took over? That they didn't want... So many Batmen, you know, not Batman, right. not so much Batman, but they didn't want so many Batman and Batman Beyond is a is another extension of a different timeline and a different story. That is part of the problem is you've got this Batman. Beyond. Granted, it's it's a beloved story amongst a select group of fans. But, you know, one of the things that you guys said you were concerned about was that Gunn was going to try and be like a J.J. Abrams sort of thing. I'm going to pay fan, ser- fan service to all this stuff. And this is kind of a scaling back saying, I understand there's a big section of the Batman fandom that wants this story, but it doesn't fit in with the story that we are envisioning and we want to tell because it's a different timeline and it doesn't make sense. So I'm like, yeah. As much as I'd like to see a Batman Beyond movie, sacrificing it for the greater good here to tell a more cohesive story and not have it so fractured, I'm fine with it. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, if they're going to say, you know, we're not going to do it right now, maybe somewhere down the line, Batman Beyond would be like a pretty cool spinoff kind of series that you want to put on HBO Max or whatever the hell it's going to be called. But, yeah, I I don't have a problem with that. It'd be great to see. But it really doesn't make sense with the story that they are allegedly trying to tell, which is scaling back all these multiple timelines. So I'm fine with it. You know what the comp is for me? It's it's my concern about Spider-Man and the number of spider people that could be out there. And I feel like Marvel's done pretty well so far, at least in the MCU, of minimizing it. Yeah. I am 
deeply concerned of the rumors I'm hearing out of into the Spider Verse and the the amount of bringing in of other Spider. What if it's just getting it out of the system, though? What if it's a one-time thing where it's just like, all right, let's get this out of our system. Here it is. There they all are. This is what you wanted. Boom. Now and then it creates a finale at the end. I hope so because the uh, the alternative is uh, is a is a bloated overdoing of all the different Spider-Man characters that are out there, and that's 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 the big challenging thing. I hope that it's it's very much like into the Spider Verse, where it's like a nod to all these other alternate whatevers. The other thing I know is that the temptation is often there when it comes to executives and people in charge, and Feige's been good about this so far. Um, but Sony has definitely not been to use any and everything that they can. Looking at you, Morbius. Aesop's favorite movie. Ever. Of all time. That's, you know, that if he's, if he's on the streamies, you know, that's going to be his, uh, movie of the year for sure. Maybe he'll do his own thing. He'll do the Morbies on the opposite side of the spectrum. They would be a sweep from Morbius then. All right, let's wrap this uh, conversation up with my last question on the rundown. Now what? Are you okay? <laughs> my throat like really dried out like in the middle of there. And I, my, I know I can see my eyes are watering. You're usually more translucent than me and you turn really red there real quick. So I was just worried about you, friend. No, I'm not choking on anything or anything like that. It's like I said, I've been, I've been under the weather in a weird way. It's like a kind of a scratchy throat thing. And so with like sustained talking stuff, my throat dries out and it was really irritated. I'm still a little irritated, but now what? Cause, cause I think we're in line and maybe this is just, a, I think we're in line for a full reset. I think we're, we're getting through what we're going to get through. And then we starting over with a 10 year plan. Okay. That's fine. Who do, who do they build? Who Who's their main, who's their Tony Stark? Who's the character you want to see them do it with? I mean, uh, uh, obviously already pending clues taken away. Like if you could do it, if you were the one, which character would you pick? Because for me, in honesty, and this is a character I don't even know all that much about, but I know there's a lot to this character and this character is connected to everybody is, and I brought it up before is the green lantern. You can tell that story in a lot of different ways and bring in a lot of different people. Um, well, the, and the green lanterns, the character that hasn't been done. In a long time, not since the Ryan right. Reynolds. Long. That was kind of my preface to that thing too. Well, that you know, by, a lot of by the way, kids. That. By the way, kids, if you want to see slash read something hilarious, Ryan Reynolds recently got what drunk is? and live streamed him watching watching Green Lantern for the first time. It's pretty funny. What if what if what if Gunn and Saffron's approach was the same as what Marvel did, but only opposite? What if they what if it was following a villain instead of a, a, a protagonist is following an antagonist. How do you do that? I, you just make the main character. Uh, is there, isn't there, isn't there any mainstream DC story where the, the bad guy successfully not maybe, maybe like wins every battle, but continues on and, and passes it forward. And I mean, it's just, it's something different. I mean, it's, it's highly unlikely, but I mean, it's something to think about, right. It'd be, that'd be epically different. If, 
if I'm Lex Luthor, if I'm gunning Saffron, I'm looking at the way that the new 52 started with the, the justice league and build up. I would rebuild going towards dark side and, and, and try and approach that story differently because that's going to be the big bad. That's going to get the most comps to Thanos and we'll get people saying, Oh yeah, I can, I can relate to this guy. Uh, Tony raises a good point. What movie do you start with? What is going to be your iron man? Um, you know, you don't need to tell the Superman origin story. You don't need to tell the Batman origin story. Probably don't need to tell the Wonder Woman origin story either. So like, yeah, really, where where do you start? You probably have to start, I'd say Superman or Batman. But what kind of story are you going to tell at that point? You know, if you don't have an origin story, what aspect of things do you tell to kind of, you know, maybe use that new 52 model as as something? Because I, I, I got to figure you got to figure they're building towards justice league to do justice league. Right. And if they're going to follow Mar Marvel's model, you know, and what we had, what the big three in Marvel, we had Iron Man, Thor, and we had Captain America. And right. if you're going to, if DC's going to mimic that, you know, it's Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, but we kind of already done that. So I think Tony's right. They do need to bring in a character who's not as well known a la Iron Man get people invested and it's all about casting, you know, and who, if you're going to do green lantern or you're going to do flash and then bring in these other characters in a, in, you know, bring in Superman as not a movie centric to Superman, but where he comes in like, you know, like Hawkeye did in, 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 in Thor or something like that. You bring these characters in, but yeah, you got to figure green lantern flash, um, Maybe Martian Manhunter, something like that. They got to decide: you know what, are, are we doing Martian Manhunter or Cyborg in this whole scenario? You know what really? Well, yeah. I mean, you know what really hey. sucks about the whole Black Adam thing is Doctor Fate and Hawkman were played by unbelievably excellent actors and done unbelievably excellently well. And I would love to see more of their stories. And here's here's the thing: what happens with Pattinson's Batman as well? Can't they just build I, I off of that? He's I so don't young. Know. I, d- I don't know, and we don't know, and that's part of what's ma- what makes this and frustrating. It's pissing us Here's, off, everybody. Well, it's certainly pissing you off. Um, here's here's the thing. Maybe maybe Ray's right. Maybe maybe it's getting connected through this Blue Beetle movie, like in that in that sort of Tony, not Tony Stark. Um, Who's right? Said Did you say? said maybe. And maybe Ray is right. I don't like it either, studio audience. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't like it. I just um. Here, hold on, hold on. Hear me out. So Iron Man has this movie. What did they do to tell you they were doing something bigger with Marvel films? Dave, you know what it is. You know the answer to this question. I mean, the post-credit stuff. It's Nick Fury showing up. Yes. So if if I'm James Gunn, maybe that's what I'm replicating. And maybe that's where we get our first new... You already had it, though. You're already set. Henry Cavill showed up in Black Adam. Let's right, but we've already here. said, like, fuck that. Um, uh, and did, and here's would... the thing. Here, here's why. definitely hasn't. Here, here's why. Here's why it comes back. It ro- it all rolls back to the previous regime. Blue Beetle has nothing really to do with the previous regime. And like there's 
to our knowledge, nothing that says Snyderverse in the Blue Beetle. And I like Henry Cavill. I do. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like Dave. I don't like love him. I don't, you know, have a man chubby for Henry Cavill. However, he plays a great Superman. He's a very strong Superman. I just think that right in my opinion, and this is purely my opinion and speculation, the stigma of the Snyderverse and the polarization of the Snyderverse, that has to be wiped. And so they're going to wipe it. And maybe that doesn't mean that Black Adam is gone. But it sure makes it hard when he has a conf- when he has a, a, a we okay. should talk All moment. Right. All right, I'll let with, I'll with let Henry go of my fandom. I'll let go of my fandom and bring bring up the uh, the obvious question, which we almost haven't really touched on a lot here. Is what do you do with Robert Pattinson's Batman? Is is, is it is are you just not talking about it because that's it, it going to tie in somewhere because that's big and that's happening again. Like yeah, and it's doing early, the, and it's the, early the, there. Right, they've allegedly said it's the existing in a bubble sort of thing. I don't know if I buy that. And that's I don't know. I don't agree with it. Why wouldn't that be your Batman? You can go anywhere from there. He might be. He might be our Batman. We don't. We don't know. Dave, you were about to talk. They they could bring. They could bring in Pattinson in a cameo somewhere and say, "Hey, here he is." Many years, you know, not many years later, but a few years later, where he's more seasoned than he was in the movie, and kind of more like a Christian Baleish sort of character. Now, if you're going to use Blue Beetle as a launching point. And, and do something post-credit. The bigger question to me is, who do you bring in in that post-credit scene that's going to get that same sort of, ah, aha, like you know you got with Nick Fury? Marvel doesn't have a Nick Fury character because you can't do it with Amanda Waller. That's going to alienate a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe in a post-credit, if you bring in, if Pattinson shows up and says, hey, kid, you know, I got a group that I might want to might might want you to think about joining. That could lead to Justice League, could lead to Teen Titans, because Blue Beetle does have ties to the Teen Titans. So, yeah, I mean, I could see. I I, I mean, it's a tough sell because Blue Beetle compared to Iron Man, that's that's tough. But if you're you may be right, Pat. If they're going to go in the direction of we're going to do something post credit to show you the we're going to show our hand here at the end of this movie. Are we? Are we missing the most obvious connection to where we're going moving forward? And it's something that maybe is just a stupid little side note, but it, it kicks us forward into what we're going to get. We're getting more Peacemaker, guys. <laughs> Probably. That's the, yeah, same, yeah. that's the same person. That's the same person, right? It's the same person that's pulling half the strings or all the strings, if you want to think about it-ish, kind of. What if he's just like, okay, we're coming out of there. Cause I know what I already, already did. This is where, Here, this is where I am. This you know, where be, I live. You know, Why I go cool. outside of myself. I just thought of this and I want to throw this out there. What would be cool the direction they're going to go in? And, and I don't know if they're thinking this, let's say they're going to go in the direction of Tony. I don't know if you're familiar with forever evil, that whole storyline where the villains from earth three comes in Ultraman. You mentioned him in the villain project. What if they're going to use all the Snyderverse characters as the forever evil side of things and bring them back in as the bad guys later on down the line. Now that might that's work. A fan, that's a fan service kind of thing. What if you get Aquaman and Lobo facing off against each other? If you have Momoa playing two roles, right? I'm not sure how he pulls that off, but yeah, that'd be fun. CGI. Pat. I have no answer. For it's you. all star. Not, it's all I, star I, Wars. Is that it's it? not Marvel? It's not, I, it's not his candy I, store. I, Wrong side of the street. Across the street, he lives in fucking 
you know. Well, the the problem the problem here is, and this is, I mean, basically, this whole conversation to this point is, is a lot of what ifism yeah. on all our parts because that's all we can do yeah. right now because we don't know. We we know some teases, and I honestly, when, when the most, when the strongest what argument do you want to see, Patrick? What do you want to see? Because Dave Wars. and I both have our. It's, it's all Star Wars. But no, but what would you? What would get you? What would get you? Who's more Marvel than DC? Not that you don't have respect or or like to follow everything that's going on there and have a love for it as well. But what's your one thing? Because I think I would go with the Green Lantern thing. Dave is saying, what was your one thing you would go with? Well, I, I think Forever Evil would be a pretty cool storyline to go after, and 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 you do have you know these characters that you could bring in in a, in a different sort of light and people be like, Oh wow. Look what they're doing with that. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think, you know, you, you look at the, all the DC stories and what's their infinity gauntlet, you know, what's their story out there that they can wrap everything around. And I mean, crisis, like on, it, crisis on infinite earth kingdom come for well, evil, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So I, I, I tend to look at what's been actually put out there before us. I'm, I'm, interested in a kingdom come attempt it's a very ambitious start it's but it seems like the smartest it, thing to move past superman and batman is to do that right. so you get into the new age things right something more right so blue beetle, well, would, be, uh, blue beetle would be in that and younger guy who gets mentored by one of the more established characters batman right. superman maybe maybe ray's right so Ugh. yeah so we'll 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 see what happens. If Ray's right, I'm sure he'll be he'll let us know about it. Um, I'm sure it'll be great. It'll be super super awesome. Yay! Awesome! Yay! Ray might be right. Ooh, cool! It's terrific. He'll call us all dog shit McGiven. It is true. All right. Well, it's a new world for DC, and. uh We'll just I we will be here for the ride, noble listener. We will overreact to everything that James Gunn posts and Peter Saffron doesn't post. We'll be here for it. So yeah, Pete, I will Pete say something, close, then we probably need to pay attention. You really should probably pay attention if Pete Saffron posts something on the Twitter. Like I don't even know if he's on Twitter. I, I've never searched the guy. But uh you definitely with as little as he does post, probably should pay attention. All right. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagoners. Before we get out of here, though, uh, gentlemen, tell everybody where they can catch you on the Chairshot Radio Network and in the uh, chair or, uh, in the internet airwaves. God damn it, the socials, that stuff. Jesus Christ, that's a video game. Not today, Tony. Go first. <laughs> you can follow me at PZ Tony. Make sure you're checking out everything Chairshot Radio Network, all of your favorite streaming platforms. I feel like there's going to be, and this is the first time out on on air. Uh, there there may be a very special holiday special. Um, feels like war is coming back. We don't. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Really? Wow. Well, how do you follow that, Dave? Uh, follow that. Peter Saffron is not on Twitter. That's how I follow that. So if he suddenly shows up on Twitter, you might want to pay attention to that. But otherwise, you can check me out on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That's at Attitude A-G-G or Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. 
And you can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. It is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can also catch me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Monday, here talking dirty stuff on the bandwagon. Tuesday, talking hockey with David Ungar. And Wednesday, talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco Show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That is going to do it for Bandwagon Nerds this week. Now, get yourself out of the basement. Get some stun, and don't do too much butt stuff. You don't want to fall victim like the Doom Patrol. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. I like big butts, and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. And when a girl walks in with an itty-bitty waist and a round thing in your face, you get sprung. Want to pull up tough, because you notice that butt was stuffed. Deep in the jeans she's wearing. I'm hooked, and I can't stop staring. Smooth skin, you say you wanna get in my bins? Well, use me, use me, cause you ain't that average groupie. I seen her dancing, to hell with romancing. She's sweat, wet, got it going like a turbo vet. I'm tired of magazines, saying flat butts all the thing. Take the average black man and ask him that. She gotta pack much bags. So, fellas, yeah. fellas, yeah. Cause your girlfriend got your butt, hell tell yeah. her, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake that healthy butt. Baby got ballet. On the very first date is usually a hussy And a woman who kiss on the second time out Is anything but fussy But a woman who wait till the third time around And the clouds feed on the ground She's the girl you're glad you found She's your shaboopy, 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 shaboopy The girl who's hard to get Shaboopy, shaboopy, shaboopy But you can't win her yet Walk her once just to raise the curtain Then you walk around twice and you make for certain Once more in the flower garden She would never get sold if you beg her pardon Do re mi fa so la si do si la so fa mi re do Squeeze her once when she hears a look And if you get a squeeze back that's fine What are we looking at here? They're butts Now General, you and I both know They are so much more than that You're the visionary behind this project These aren't just they're an entirely new species of creature that we categorize as gluteus morticus. Infinitely complex, highly intelligent with deeply ingrained social dynamics. Take these two specimens in front, for example. Note the scarring on their forequarters. They were born as conjoined twins. They're brothers and they recognize that. In fact, I've only just started to comprehend their bond. One of them I've named Nicholas and the other I've named Theodore Teddy. As you can see, they're not killing machines. They're quite gentle. They have a love of music. Oh, no, don't! Close it, close it! Close it, close it! The bus have gotten upset with me! You scared him! The bus have gotten upset with me. General, say it. We must upset the boss. That's right. Okay, we're out of here.